Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Welcome back to the future of esports marketing. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Annie Scott Riley. Annie is the Vice President of Marketing for Minnesota Rocker. Welcome, Annie. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Annie and I met through the Call of Duty team, Rocker. Annie's been working with the team since the inception. Tell us about Rocker. Yeah, so Minnesota Rocker is a Call of Duty League team. The Call of Duty League has 12 teams all over the world. We have many in the United States, and then we have teams in Toronto, Paris, and London. Our team has been around since July of last year, and we are owned by the Wilf family, who also owns the Minnesota Vikings, as well as co-owned by Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a pretty well-known media personality and a brilliant, brilliant marketer. And yeah, we've been just building things up from the ground. So if people aren't familiar with Call of Duty, how are those competitions set? How many players and, and what is the gameplay like? I always like to say that it looks a lot like aggressive quiz bowl. You have people on stage, two teams of five players. All teams have seven players, so we have five starters and two subs. But it's five versus five sitting on stage in front of computers, and then behind them you see the screens where they show the Call of Duty gameplay. And there are three modes that our players play. So one is called hard point, where you're kind of capturing certain areas of a map. One is called Domination, where you're, it's a little more like Capture the Flag specifically. And then Search and Destroy, where one team is planting a bomb and the other team has to try to defuse the bomb. And in that one, it is Sudden Death. So if you get shot, you do not come back. Great. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> you have a really strong background in editorial and social media. Um, how do those past roles help you influence your role within within the rocker and and tell me a little bit about your journey of getting to where you are now in esports. Well, my career started as a blogger in New York City a long time ago and it was kind of back when blogging was more like bloggers would take pictures of other people not of themselves. <laughs> it was right. closer to journalism back then. This was before all the major media publications went online. Uh, I remember it was a huge deal when Newsweek got a blog and everyone was like, well, this is suicide. Why would Newsweek get an online website? <laughs> but in any case, I started as a blogger. It didn't pay very well at first. And so I would actually churn out 10 to 15 articles per day. And I did that for years. And then in 2008, the economy crashed, the jobs in print publications became slimmer and online writing became a bigger deal. So that kind of changed the industry. And I ended up zeroing in on luxury travel blogging, which was a very happy accident. And I was able to travel the world and write stories about it for a while. And that was a very, very exciting thing to do. And then in 2010, I decided to take a job at Digitas New York, which is a digital marketing agency in New York City, as one of their first social media team members. 
social media really evolved with the blogging industry. And so I had developed some expertise there that I hadn't even expected. <laughs> so I started with Digitas and I worked on Delta Airlines, Honey Bunches of Oats, and a bunch of different brands, many of them as their first social media person of any kind. And then I decided I wanted to move back home to Minneapolis. I am from here. And I took a job at Fallon, which is a local advertising agency. And there I led the social media team for Cadillac, which we were representing at the time as agency of record. Spent some time on that. And then I moved over to a different agency in Minneapolis called Carmichael Lynch. And there I worked on Subaru, all kinds of different brands. Garden of Life was a really big one for me for a while. That's a supplement brand. And I just learned so much. And I was always in roles that were related to social media marketing, whether it be on the creative side or on the strategic side. And then I decided to try the brand side. So I went to Aveda, which is a local company here. If, if anyone's not familiar, it's a very fancy shampoo brand. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and it's based actually in Blaine, Minnesota. So it is local here. And uh, I was their editorial director, overseeing all of the social content and just kind of the storylines in general. And then I was able to make the jump over to Rocker, which has been so exciting. And you asked kind of how that past experience really applies. And I would say, especially with Gary Vaynerchuk at the helm of the organization, he's a big proponent of, you know, putting out 100 pieces of content a day and all kinds of things that fit very well with my background. I am used to churning out content. I'm used to being part of a news team that like just, you know, if it's going to take more than one day to make this, or even in some cases, if it's going to take more than 45 minutes to make this, it's not worth my time and I've got to pick something else to do. So I, I thrive in that fast-paced environment and do my best to inspire others to do the same. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you guys do have a really strong content strategy, which it sounds like is informed by the, the Gary V method. What does that look like day-to-day -day for your organization and uh, you know, planning leading up to content strategy and then really day-to-day -day execution? I'd, I'd love to hear about your team and how you guys are pulling that off. Yeah. When we met with Gary early in my time with the company, we asked him, you know, how do we staff for this? And we started there. It was, it was a process getting to understand exactly how to make all of this work. But his first advice was to hire a bunch of very young and hungry content creators. So we have a team of junior content specialists and content interns. We have six of them. A couple of those positions are open right now, but working towards six. And they each churn out an enormous amount of content each day. We've had to do a lot of different charting about, you know, how many pieces of content belong on different platforms. How do we get to 100 without overloading a platform that shouldn't be overloaded? And how do we kind of disperse all that? What content can be mirrored across different platforms and what has to be adjusted? And that's been, I mean, that's an ongoing process. We're not done with that. <laughs> but I, I bet. That and it's evolving all the time. And I really love your story because it is a story of evolution and honestly looking at what are the trends, what's next, what's new, and being, you know, nimble to kind of capitalize on that, you know, starting with blogs and then moving into social when social was just a brand new thing. So one of the things that I wanted to, to learn a little bit from you is what type of digital marketing tactics is your team using? What's working? Where are you finding a lot of traction with different platforms that you're pushing content out on? 
So we're using a lot of different social media platforms and trying different things on all of them. Obviously, one of the main things that we put out is gameplay. Our players are the best in the world. And what's so satisfying about esports is watching them do it and going, wow, they actually never miss. That is incredible. <laughs> and if you play it yourself and you have had the experience of shooting those same weapons and you know that it's easy to miss, it's very satisfying to watch. So gameplay is only going to appeal to a certain demographic, right? It's going to appeal to people who are into Call of Duty League or have played Call of Duty and are into Call of Duty. If you haven't played the game, even if you like esports in general, you might not be that interested in gameplay. So for that reason, we don't focus just on gameplay. We also do stories about the organization itself. So we have a podcast called Building Minnesota Rocker that our host, Ashley Midnight Glassell, has been leading. She's incredible. She's an influencer in the Call of Duty space and came to us with you know, 250,000 Twitter followers and an incredible history of YouTube content. So we're so lucky to have her and she hosts that that podcast about our organization. And then we have a lot of content about our players. I think, you know, we have this team of young guys who are so interesting and they're, and they're really lovely people and very funny and, and fun to work with. So we do a lot with them as well and, and have done things with their parents. Again, always just thinking about how we appeal to the broadest group of people. I think esports has done a really good job in the past and also probably currently of marketing to itself. So we're constantly trying to get out of that bubble and, and push us into the mainstream and appeal to more groups of people. Right. And you guys have a really strong Discord channel that's just been growing exponentially. How are you utilizing Discord? Yeah, Discord has been great for us. We are hosting watch parties for our games during the pandemic. Obviously, we had watch parties at actual bars before, and, and now right. we are hosting them in Discord. And that's actually been going really, really well. You know, in our first one, over 10,000 chats were sent during our, during our matches. And it's so positive, and people are excited. The players' moms are in there. Like, it's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful community, you know? And I mean, as with any online platform, you can find that things will turn a little toxic here and there. But Discord has really great moderation features, and we're able to have a lot of control over the conversation and slow people down, mute them, boot them if we have to. But ultimately, it's been a very positive experience. And our fans have really flocked to the channel. They're in there talking every day, whether whether we're working on it or not. Right, right. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm on that Discord. It's been really fun to, to follow along. I'm pretty new to Discord, even, you know, being in the industry. So I'm always curious about like, where are they finding all these little icons that are customized for your team? And there's definitely a lot of insider vernacular and, and terms that are being thrown around that I have to like, take a little Google uh, approach and figure out what what people are talking about. Yeah, I, I think, think funny. I, I always have to ask old lady questions to my team. This has <laughs> yeah. been happening since I worked at Carmichael Lynch. Like it just it all changes and moves so fast. You always have to look at the youngest people in the group and say, "Tell me what's actually happening here," so that I can, <laughs> so that I can help. <laughs> it, it is, and it's a really. I think you guys have. A, your audience tends a little bit older in regards mm -hmm. to esports as a whole. Tell me about your audience and then how are you positioning content based on who your, your target is? Mm -hmm. So we have four targets. One is people who are existing fans of us, existing fans of the league. 
Then we have people who are fans of the game itself, but maybe not aware of even esports at all or our team. We target fans of other esports because we find that, especially because we have this unique situation in which we have a geography based system, which is really new to the esports world, but mm-hmm. we're finding that people are excited to have a major esports team in their town. So, local people who are interested in esports. In general, are like, oh, cool, we have that here now. Let's, let's, I'm interested in that. Love to see that support. And then we're also targeting a pool of lookalikes. And there are a lot of other groups that we've been experimenting with, mm-hmm. but those are kind of our four primary targets. And I would say, you know, the biggest distinction in how we market to them is probably whether or not we include gameplay. And it's, you know, is this for someone who plays Call of Duty or is it not? And that's usually what we use. Right. Right. That's awesome. How, how are you finding your fans engaging with your brand like the most? I know Discord's hot, but where else are they really engaging with your brand? It's Twitter. So the gaming industry lives and dies on Twitter for sure. And it's so funny. I, the only thing I can really compare it to, and I'm so grateful for it every day, but it's like having a hit cult TV show. If we put something out, We have a number of fans who are going to respond no matter what. It doesn't matter what we say. We can tweet a single emoji. (laughs) And I've just, I've never seen anything like it in the world of brand marketing in terms of, you know, I've worked on CPG brands and car brands and different kinds of things. And, and this is this, the, the love for this team that exists already is just so astonishing. and, And we're so grateful for it. And are all of your players active on Twitter? How does that relationship work between your organization and how you communicate and players and how they communicate? Yeah, they, so they're all on Twitter. They all have Rocker in their Twitter handle name, not the handle itself, but in the, the name part. And they are great amplifiers of our content. They're also content creators in and of themselves. A lot of them are streamers and they'll post that they're doing a stream. Sometimes we'll retweet that. And we, we all just work together. You know, what, what makes them bigger stars works for us. And we think they're great personalities and are so proud of them. That's amazing. I think that esports industry as a whole is such an open collaborative space. Have you found a lot of synergy and mentorship with other teams within your league or other leagues that you're learning from and and sharing ideas with? Yes, for sure. Just on our own team, I mean, Brett Diamond, our COO, comes from the Vikings and prior to that, the NFL. Chris Vanderbeek, our director of events and business operations, came from the Timberwolves. So having that professional sports mindset has been incredibly helpful and just learning so much from them and and their colleagues. Sometimes when we have questions about things in esports, you know, we can find kind of the the counterpart in professional sports and get a really good answer. And then in terms of the esports community being so collaborative, Absolutely. Everybody wants to talk about what's working and what's not. I think we're all pushing this same envelope of like, let's make esports a mass culture thing here in in the United States and in North America. And everybody just wants to help each other. That's awesome. Activision Blizzard is the game publisher and the franchise owner, I guess would be the right term for that. How do you work with Activision when it comes to the marketing plans, marketing tactics, where's, where's their crossover? Where's their hard lines? 
to give it like a marketing brand comparison, I would compare it to being the the central country of something. And then, you know, you have all the other countries and there's like a global manager who has to work with all the different countries to make sure that they're putting out the right type of content and make sure that they're getting what they need. But that central country would be the CDL in this case. Great. And you guys are working on overall campaigns together or are they leading some type of campaign that you're just pushing out? Or do you have like 100% autonomy as to, you know, from an advertising campaign strategy and announcing the season and season, you know, ticket sales? Do they inform that? How does that work? So they do offer guidelines and there are guidelines that we have to play within as part of their league. But for the most part, we're running separate campaigns and we collaborate with each other. We know that, you know, they're going to be promoting every single home series, for example, but their content about the home series looks a little different from our content about the home series. And we think that's okay. And we share each other's and we, and we keep, you know, all the collaboration alive with that. That's wonderful. The world is really different. I know when obviously you guys were talking about coming into this team and, and, investing in a team, part of the strategy was around these live events and creating wonderful partnerships with the Armory, where you were hosting uh, the, the launch event was here in Minnesota. And there's so many tactical things that have to be layered in in order to produce a live event. Esports started as digital competitions. And tell me a little bit about how your team has been able to pivot on marketing these events, changing an entire strategy kind of overnight? Yeah, wow, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's like five questions in one big narrative. (laughs) I'll answer it as best I can. It's been a process. I love that you said overnight because it just has not felt that way at all. Like we're learning so much every day and it keeps changing. But initial changeover, you know, we were all kind of like, whoa, what's happening? Are are we not having live events? Are we just going to stay home for two weeks and go back out? Like what's happening here? You know, it it became clear within a few days that we were going to have to completely change our business model. And that I think was the hardest part. I think, you know, anyone who's a marketer, I know a lot of your listeners are marketers themselves. You get to a point where you can probably market just about anything, but we had to re reconfigure what the product itself was. So we changed from having live events to having online events, obviously, but we wanted to find more ways to connect with people online and also find a way to be of service to them during this time when everybody's sitting at home, you know, we are entertainment. We believe that entertainment is a service and we wanted to do more. So we found a lot of different ways to do that. Um, One was Rocker Royale, which was an event where we had some celebrities, some of our players, some of our staffers actually, all competing in Warzone. And they ended up donating over $50,000 to COVID-related charities. So that was a nice thing that we were able to do early on. And then since then, the league has also gotten into doing more. And again, some celebrities are getting together to, to play Warzone together in private lobbies, which means basically everyone on the map is someone known and identified. There's no randoms in there, which is what happens when normal people play. <laughs> but in general, I think both our team and the league see this as a chance for us to help people. And, you know, not just be something that you go see at the armory now and then, but be something that you can tune into when you want to escape from whatever it is that's bothering you that day. 
Right. How have your fans reacted to, to the shift? I mean, I'll be honest, there was a lot of disappointment and that was on their side and on our side. You know, we were really in love with doing events at the Armory. We, we had a great first event in January and we're looking forward to doing it again. But ultimately, we've found that a lot of them have stuck with us. They're showing up to the Discord party. They're tweeting out and, and sharing in Discord images of them wearing the rocker gear. Like, they're participating. I mean, I think we all want to be out in the world, right? And this is a way that we can all connect with each other and be together. Great. There's, I, I think there's like a natural rivalry between rocker and huntsman when it comes to engaging with and trying to to grab the, the fan grab because probably the closest, well, you are the closest in proximity, right? To, mm-hmm. to yeah. Chicago. Do you guys have conversations about like how to attract markets in the surrounding states that are not Illinois, the, the, you know, Michigan, South, North Dakotas. Yeah. So the league is actually divided up into HMAs. So all the states are, you know, technically the property of one team or another. And the property of is probably not the right way to say that. Um, (laughs) But for our team, we did have a strategy around our launch event about getting people from the, from the outer regions into Minneapolis to come to the event. And we did that through paid advertising. So we, we had social media messages that were specifically geared to people in other States to let them know that this was happening here. And this is certainly the largest esports team organization that has existed in this part of the country. So we felt like we had good news to share with them. Yeah. With everything happening now with COVID, are you continuing to do any type of promotion or advertising, or are you just kind of sticking with your content strategy um, being organic? We have scaled back, right? We're not doing out of home, certainly. The majority of our content is organic. And then we are spending a little bit to make sure that our Discord party is getting to uh, our existing followers and fans. And then outside of that, we're also doing some drumbeat awareness marketing, just kind of on an ongoing basis. As we have content that we think is evergreen and broadly appealing, we we will use the, that content as native ads and push that out a little more broadly. We looked for a while at what growth looked like during the pandemic. And ultimately, we, we think some of our more broadly appealing content is probably the best way in for people during this time. And then we market the events specifically to the people who we've gotten to follow us. Awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. Are you finding a lot of success in having conversations at a corporate level or is your team on the marketing side not in, involved in those types of conversations? What do you mean by the corporate level? Brands and businesses kind of learning more about, about what you guys are doing and, and getting involved either from sponsorship, partnerships, or even just aligning some, some forces. Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations with different brands over the course of the past few months, really. First of all, there were the brands who had become our sponsors who suddenly we aren't having live events and now we need to talk about make goods and things that we can do that don't involve either our facility or the, um, or the live events. So we've been having a number of conversations with brands over the course of the past few months. First of all, with our existing sponsors, because obviously the live events and the facility were part of those sponsorship deals. And we've had to figure out make goods and other ways that we can help feature them in content, feature them in the Call of Duty League broadcast, and just talk about what the rest of our sponsorships 
packages with them look like. And then additionally, we're still talking to more brands. I think especially on the local level, there's a lot of education that needs to be done. People don't really understand what esports is for, <laughs> for some of them. And then the savvier ones who do know what it is, they're still not sure how to get involved and why it's right for them. Call of Duty is a little bit of a special snowflake. Esports itself is, is really a late teens to young 20s thing. And then Call of Duty in particular, the average age of the consumer is actually 26. So it does skew a little bit older. It's a little bit more mainstream just in the fact that Call of Duty is pretty much the best-selling game every single year. It's ubiquitous, right? It's been around for 10 years at least. And it, yeah. it's Mario, right? It's not like a, a fly-by-night. <laughs> right. It's not a brand new game. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So there are things of it, like, it's not like if I say League of Legends or Overwatch to someone, they might have no idea what that is, but everyone knows what Call of Duty is. So right. it's a little bit of a different beast from other esports. Mm-hmm. But it can be a little harder to position being a first person shooter game. Yeah. Um, but I think what's the most exciting to me is the, the level of fandom and the fact that it's a really hard audience to market to utilizing traditional methods. I mean, you guys definitely have this captive audience that's not watching linear TV. They're, you know, they're, they're active on Twitter. They're active on discord. They're active on Twitch. They're, they're definitely very sophisticated. And for a brand, like some of our local brands here in Minnesota, you would think would this would be a golden ticket for them to be able to reach that audience. I think that there's, I'm just talking, I don't really have a question, but I just feel like <laughs> there's, it, the sea of change is going to come. Like there's going to be a tipping point. First of all, their traditional ways to market, even within traditional sports is kind of dried up. I feel like your team is uniquely positioned to really fill this massive void and and get these brands, like you and I have both worked with so many brands over the years, to get especially the consumer product brands in front of this completely captive audience. Yeah, it's it's an incredible opportunity for brands. And you know, the more we talk to them, I think the more it helps them understand what a big opportunity this is. It's like you were saying, these particular consumers don't consume any traditional media. They have complete power over what they consume. They are deciding exactly which content they're going to consume and when, and that includes the advertising they're going to consume. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they're interested in esports, being integrated very seamlessly into that esports content is honestly probably the very best way to reach them at this time. I I think Um, so too. And, and, you know, if you think about the data and research that's been done on the power of having an early adopter, right, a fan who is going to very early adopt your brand, it's a really ripe place to put your to put your brand and your product in front of because they're loyalists and they're going to stick with you because in terms of it becoming like mainstream. So the fans have such a high respect and high regard to brands who are investing in what they love. So, I mean, if I had a thing to sell, it, to me, it would be like low-hanging fruit. And I think the challenge is, and luckily they have someone with your caliber of talent, the 
the challenge is how do you help go shoulder to shoulder with a brand and guide them through the, like you said, they don't know really how to start. So, you know, helping them make thoughtful decisions and even, you know, guiding on what does that, what does that look like? And everything comes down to what are their overall goals and objectives as an organization? And then how do you leverage the reach? And it can be done in like a number of ways within, within your organization. What are you excited about for 2021? Well, one thing that is big on the docket for us right now is Minnesota Rocker is technically one team under the umbrella of Wise Ventures Esports, which is the actual group that we all work for. And so we've been talking about expanding into other teams, expanding into other potential lines of business. But most excitingly, we're going to rebrand Wise Ventures Esports. We're really in the thick of it now, working on color schemes, logos, names, and looking forward to making that announcement. That's Uh, very exciting. Do you guys have a target date of when we can expect an announcement? We are thinking it's probably going to come late summer. So we're we're coming up on it. Very cool. That's exciting. Your facilities are located adjacent to the Vikings training facility. Yep, that's you, right. Where, what are your plans for the for the future in terms of maybe future stadiums? Are you going to continue to leverage existing space? Do you not know yet? A lot of that is up in the air, especially, I mean, the pandemic has really thrown a lot of things off track in terms of what does um, what does an esports event look like in the near future. You know, there has been talk of potentially building an esports specific stadium that could be shared with maybe some other teams in town. As far as our existing facility, we have a lot of plans to have events, to have local groups come in and do gaming, to have kids come in, you know, to learn different kinds of games. And ultimately, just we want to be a part of our community. You know, we want to be a resource to everyone. I love that. I have to still come and get a tour when you guys are all back in your office and we're not all working from home. I am so bummed that I didn't get a chance to come and, and see it. Um, I've, I've seen pictures and I've heard really cool things. Any other things on the, um, on the horizon for, for you or your, or your team? Yeah, so we actually have a home series coming up just next weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend will be the Minneapolis Home Series, which is, you know, it is what it is in an online world, right? We're going to say Minnesota a lot, (laughs) but you can expect to see a lot more Minnesota content. We're going to be doing some big giveaways and we're going to make it as Minnesotan as humanly possible because we just really want everyone to know that we have this here, that this is part of our state and our community now. And we're excited to have it and to, to show everyone how we can kind of take it to the next level. And how many teams participate in your home series? Uh, there are eight. In There'll every- be eight. Yep. Awesome. Well, good luck on your home series. Thank you. You guys are going to do fantastic. You're positioned. Are you still in fourth over the all 12 teams? Where are your rankings? I do you know? believe we are still in fourth. I haven't checked since last weekend. From an outsider who's a little bit in, but not fully in within your organization, the biggest chatter that I get is how cool the brand looks and the merch. I think everybody loves the to, to wear. It feels very much like a Minnesota brand. The nod to purple with Vikings ownership is apparent. 
the horns, having like this Nordic vibe that we're well known for here in Minnesota. Your merchandise is very cool. And it's very like the, the logo stands out. I live on a really busy walking path, like right in front of my house. And when I'm wearing rocker gear, anybody that's like any boy usually in his twenties wants to like, was like, who's this old lady wearing cool stuff. So it's been really fun. I, I love your brand. I think it really resonates. It feels very authentic to the esports space as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things grow and evolve with your organization. Thanks so much for coming on and giving a little bit of a an inside look, not only to your journey, which I think is just absolutely phenomenal, but also, you know, a little bit of the inside tactics that you guys are using and 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 sharing about your organization as a whole. It's been really cool. Um, I've learned a lot and I'm pretty familiar with, with your organization. So thank you so much for coming on, Annie. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks. And we will catch up soon. That was Annie Scott Riley with Minnesota Rocker, Call of Duty team here in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Annie, if somebody wants to reach out specifically, where do they find you? Uh, you can find me at Annie Scott Riley on Twitter. Annie Scott Riley. Annie Scott Riley on Twitter. You can follow her and keep up with everything that she's doing within within Rocker. And thanks so much for tuning into this podcast. And we will see you all soon. <laughs>